Ladies and gentlemen, the questions you've all been asking are now being answered. Welcome to another edition of It's All About Who You Know, the podcast where influential people talk big topics in sports, faith, and more. Your host is a former Oregon State wrestler. He has a 4.9 star Uber rating and is currently undefeated in his MMA career. Here is Christian Robertson. Okay. Cool. We're good. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Welcome to uh, It's All About Who You Know for your first time. Hopefully hopefully not the last. You're a Trump supporter, so I get you guys on as much as possible. Oh, well. yeah. So I like totally. the, you look more professional than me. So I'm, really? in, uh, I'm basically in a basement in my work. My, um, I don't have internet at my, my house. I live in Mexico. So internet's a little shaky wherever you go. I feel, I feel stranded on an island sometimes. So I had to, uh, I, I just don't trust it at my place. So I had to come over here. So I don't have my mic. I don't have anything. I got this loud echo. So yeah, no, you're good, man. I, when you said you're in Mexico, I was like, wait, what? Wait, you're in Mexico? You're probably trying to get rid of, you know, trying to get away from the United States as fast as you can. Right well, you know, before everything unlike, goes down. Unlike some of these poser celebrities, I actually leave the country when I say I'm going to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I just. Uh, yeah. There's some, there's you're not actually going to like a chateau or anything. No. Yeah. No. I, I thought it was funny last election when everybody was like, if Trump gets elected, we're going to move. Nobody moved. Nobody so, moved. If anything, so, they just moved into like bigger houses or anything. Yeah, they're like, oh, our taxes are getting cut. We might as well buy a bigger house in California. Yeah, Bernie Sanders, I mean, he has three houses and he's a socialist. So what makes oh the difference God. if I do? Gosh. Okay, man, you got to help me. How do you pronounce your last name? Is it Ireley? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, Ireley. You actually got it right. Most people will pronounce it yearly, everly. Um, yeah, especially like at doctors and stuff like that. If, if I have to switch or, you know, if I have some sort of order, it's always Everly. I don't get how they miss like, there's no the, beat. how they do. Yeah, exactly. Like where do people get that from? I don't understand it. Wow. That's weird. Uh, and then are you a freshman or a sophomore at OSU? Yeah, I'm a first year at OSU right now. So okay. things have been really interesting as far as like what the college experience looks That's like. Fun. Now, I just want to make yeah. sure, can everybody see the Beavers? You can see the Beavers logo, right? On the shirt? Yeah, I can. Okay. I mean, I can see and, it. On and then I just want to make sure everybody sees it coupled with the Trump 2020. I just got to make sure both of those are in the shot. Okay, we're good. I just want everybody to know Oregon State stands for Donald Trump. Yes, sir. We do. What, how are you? Okay. Why is your background all blurry? Are you using a different, you have a, a different camera than I do, or you're not using your computer camera, are you? My computer doesn't have a webcam. Um, but fortunately, I'm a photographer. So I have a camera that, that I have like, in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. And then the reason why it's so blurry is because it's like a, a big lens and it's meant for like Focusing. portrait shots, like senior portraits and that kind of thing. Good for you, man. All right, so what are you studying at Oregon State? So right now I am studying business, uh, but honestly with just where we are in this world, I really don't know like 
if that's gonna go through or not. I'm just, I have four years to really pinpoint what I wanna do within business if I choose to. I've really been trying to lean towards something like a marketing major, like trying to couple my photography, you know, with an aspect of business because I love talking to people, but I also love like what I've been able to do with photography and how I've, you know, seen people's like reactions of, Oh my gosh, like I didn't know, you know, I could look that good in a picture or like, I didn't know I do a lot of pictures of cars. So like, a lot, I, I get a lot of people that are like, oh my gosh, like you make my car so good. It's like, wow. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, so I got to ask, so you're 19, 20? Shoot. Was it my connection or yours? I think your internet was a little choppy right there. That meant. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, why it would be. I'm right next to the modem in my work. Is it good now? You're good now. I can hear okay. you. I can okay. hear you loud and clear. Yeah. So you're how old? I'm 19 right now. I just turned 19. Uh, is it a week on the mark? Oh, no. Eight days ago. Oh, happy birthday. Hey, thank you, man. There's a little bit it's, of a delay. It's been, it's been a weird one for sure. Yeah, it has been weird, man. Honestly, I'm kind of glad to be out of the country uh, with everything going on. But it's crazy because, you know, I thought, okay, well, if I go to another country like, you know, America, it's just going to be, you know, a distant memory and, and I'll be able to separate myself. No, America is the epicenter of the world. Like, people don't understand this. Like, we are, like, everybody follows suit. Like, yeah. the protocols America puts in place right now with, like, you know, their businesses, their um, – the mask ordinances, like the shutdown, stuff like that. That's how the world looks. Like that's the model the world takes after. Like they copycat us and our election is huge. Like everybody down here is watching our election. I don't even know who their president is down here. Everybody knows who Donald Trump is. They love him or they hate him. Uh, like it's just, it, it's crazy when you leave the country, you go to a culture where they don't speak the language. They don't, you know, they're obviously, you know, I, I became a minority overnight and yeah. everybody knows like, Oh, that's an American and you know, America, like they know who our president is. They know, you know, about the wall, obviously, but it's just weird because you, you, as an American living in the culture, you don't understand like how much, you know, privilege you have, how much um, your life is so envied by so many people in the world and how pivotal your election and, and your government is to the rest of the world. Yeah. It's crazy. I a hundred percent agree. I, when you bring that up, it, it sort of just reminds me that America is really in its infancy mm -hmm. and we've only been a nation for, 200 some odd years. And the fact that we are like the mesh right now that is sort of holding the world together and is sort of bringing these standards like you were talking about with coronavirus, you know, whether you agree with it or not, we are setting a precedent not only for our country, but for the world right now. And for us mm -hmm. to have a good example of that is so important. So yeah. when we have the spotlight on us, like, we need to be showing the best version 
of us that we are. It's just so crazy as well that how we have this impact. And like I was saying, like it's only been 200 some odd years and we've had such an impact on the world. Like why, why is it us? What makes America different? I think it's rooted in our beliefs, our constitutional rights, our freedoms, everything that we have set forward that we are making ourselves different from what the world was before, you know, the inception of America. But now everyone's looking at us like, wow, they can do this and they can do that. Like, let's try to follow suit. And it's like you were saying, it, it is amazing, but it's also very scary at the same time, because if you have the wrong people in power or you have corrupt people in power, that sort of lens for the world is corrupted very easily. And we have things like misinformation or, you know, like unconstitutional and um, general like national things that could go wrong. And it would be not only a travesty for our nation, but for, you know, the world as we know it. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. And I think to kind of give it perspective, like America is the Egypt of the ancient world. They're the Holy Roman Empire of the ancient world. They're the, the Romans and the Greeks. Like that's kind of the same playing field that we're on. We're the, um, uh, the Assyrians, you know, the, uh, uh, the Babylonians, like all of them. Like that's kind of where yeah. America stands. You know, you think of all those nations, those great nations that existed before and that's where they stood is at the top and everything kind of centered around everybody knew who you know xerxes was everybody knew who cleopatra or pharaoh was everybody knew who caesar was you know everybody knows who our president is because the decisions they make directly impacts the rest of the world you know rome was such a big was the epicenter of the world because they invented the roads before rome you know there was no roads like that wasn't a thing that was readily available so here's this city and then there's these this ability to travel easily accessible for everybody within cities and villages and nations, you know, galore. And so that becomes, that language becomes the epicenter, that economy becomes the epicenter, that currency becomes the epicenter, that leader becomes a focal point for the world to look on and to observe. And whatever worldview that that takes is the worldview that the world is somehow going to mold. It's kind of like, you know, like Jerusalem at one point was this, and and Jerusalem was meant to be this, you know, this city, like this city on a hill that the world was going to look to and either decide that's what we want to be like or not. But like, you know, it was to in, ultimately to integrate into the world. And so that's kind of where America sits right now. But the sad thing is you, all those places we listed don't exist anymore. Like they're not at the same point. And we live in such a fast age. So America's in its infancy, but it very well could be with the way things are going, be in its uh, elderly stages too, because things happen so fast. And that's kind of something oh, that I scares me. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I think that is a fantastic point that you bring up about Rome and sort of bringing and integrating the history of that into America, because it's true. And we have gotten not to like reiterate to any of your points but 
we have gotten to such a stage of development where we are at the epicenter of the world right now. And right now, I can foresee, and I think a lot of people can foresee this as well, if we are going to equate ourselves to where Rome was, depending on this election, we could be at the fall of Rome. Depending on this election, we could see a crumble of everything that we have stood for as a country um, and see that sort of break up like we have in the past where, mm-hmm. you know, any history majors out there can feel free to correct me. It's been a while since I've taken ancient world history, but, you know, when, when the fall of Rome and the corruption happened and it broke off into, you know, the East Rome, and the West Rome and the traditionalism versus newer and progressive ideas. And like, that's the same exact thing that's happening right now is that there are these two groups of people that, you know, are butting heads right now. And one is like, we want to undermine, I'm not saying everyone is like this, but there are, there are dangerous people seated in dangerous positions that are anti-American, that want to see this great sovereign nation fail. I don't know why they would. I for, personally, I love living in America. I don't know. I don't know about you right now since you're in Mexico, but I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but I live in Portland. Yeah, so there are these people of... out there that want to disintegrate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I and we can see it around us too. Like there are plenty of people around here that that hate our nation and think that we have built a society of you know systemically racist things and that our founding fathers were these racist white rich guys that all they wanted to do was come over here and you know have rule over i I don't even know what half the logic is but they just they happen to hate america and well let's you know ben shapiro has talked about that extensively well let's just dispel the word logic because there's no logic in it and and you're starting to see and there's absolutely not and what and one of the and you touched on this earlier and I also I think we probably missed the step I do want to get on because we've never spoken before I do want to get into a little bit of your background being a Trump supporter being yeah. a conservative in one of the least conservative places on earth we'll get into that in a second it's true but I I think um, I think what uh, what goes along with what you were saying too is you look at all these places you look at you know mesopotamia or not mesopotamia uh babylon you look at um greece rome egypt what do they all have in common too much government and one of the big things that separated america and its founding one of the things that you know one of the reasons that 50 percent of the world's immigrants come to america every single year i got a buddy who's a Muslim, he's from the Middle East. And one of the things, reasons he came to America was because the attractiveness of the constitution, which a lot of it has to do with small government and keeping those powers in check and keeping an inability to gain too much power. And one thing you notice from all these world superpowers in the past is you know who their leaders were and you know the corruption that they had. And the fact that, we're following those same patterns of, well, the government needs to give me this. Well, for the government to give you something, they have to take something. So if you want socialized health care, the government's going to have to take a little bit more taxes or a little bit more freedom. If you want security, the government's going to have to take you know, your guns away to, 
to make sure that you're safe as opposed to you doing it. So what it does is it, it incentivizes you not to do anything for yourself and the government to do everything for you. And what it does is it creates a, uh, a society of soft people that can't do anything for themselves and are completely dependent on a government that is eventually going to become corrupt and try to overthrow them. And that's what's happened Absolutely. time and time and time and time again. So whether or not you like Donald Trump, like his rhetoric, uh, I don't know how you could disagree with most of his policies. I do understand how you could disagree with his Twitter feed, but you look at the Joe Bidens, the Kamala Harris's, the Bernie Sanders's, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Gavin Newsom's, the Kate Brown's, which I pray for all these people. I hope um, you know, that they will change their ways and change their policy making. But they're all going towards a tyrannical, like pattern. There's a tyrannical pattern. You know, things don't just happen. People will always say, well, you know, it's, this isn't a big deal. Hey, it's not a big deal that our churches are closed down during a pandemic, but it's going to be a big deal when they tell you that you can't open church ever again. You know, like that's a, that's a problem when you can get on an airplane, when you yeah. can go to a strip club, when you can, you know, go to a bar, but you can't attend a church service. You can't go to work. You can't go to a funeral, a wedding. That's, and that's, I 100% that's, agree. And that's what's on the docket, in my opinion. That's, it's, it's freedom versus security with no freedom. And that's sort of the, the number one thing that we're trying to tell these people, but they're too busy telling us that, you know, police brutality is on the line. You know, we have this, this orange fat man in the office and he's gonna destroy our government as if he hasn't had four years to do what he want already. Like as if he's gonna do something radically different in the next four years that we are not seeing right now. As if that's gonna happen. I mean, has he done anything, you know, to ruin our society as it is now? No. I mean, is he to blame for coronavirus? No. Um, is he to blame for half the stuff that they're saying? No. But we can blame all of these other people. We can, we can look at Kate Brown and what she's doing. I mean, I reposted an article um, talking about how there is a Catholic school and it's not being let open, but public schools, 75 people or under are being are, are in person right now. Mm -hmm. And these same policies aren't being extended to religious or private schools. Um, and to sort of go back to what you're saying, yeah, I think that these people are trying to absolve us and wash us away from the church. They're trying to separate us from what we believe. I mean, we hear about this. I, I, you sound very religious and you sound like you are at least, you know, a monotheist, like I'm a Christian as well. Mm -hmm. And yep, it talks about this in Revelation. It talks about how there will come a day in the end times where the churches will close and we have to rely on our relationship with God in our own dwelling, uh, whether that's at your home or wherever, you know, dystopian location that you're going to be brought to. Like it talks about how we were going to be the fall, the falling away of the church. 
and how there will be corrupt powers that, you know, rule over the church, the false prophet, the antichrist. But to sort of reel it back in, yeah, I mean, these people are trying to destroy, you know, our way of living. And that that is on the ballot. Like, if you really like American ideals and you really want your freedoms, that's on the ballot right now. And that's what a lot of people are trying to save um, is the constitutional amendments and the rights that we have in this great nation that make us different from every other nation. Yeah, and and yeah, just I mean, I, yeah, I am a Christian, and uh, I think you go to Gray City, don't you, in Corvallis? I I was thinking about going there, but unfortunately, I'm at my my home right now. Okay. Um, not in Corvallis. I am I'm currently staying home. Uh, I just didn't want to have to deal with any of the the draconian measures of socially distancing and wearing a mask and going to only 10% of my classes in person. Like I, I'm still kind of baffled. Like why am I paying normal tuition to basically be going to class on my computer all day? Like why am I still paying for an in-person and engaging uh, experience when all I'm getting is, I, I don't even learn this way. I'm going to be honest. Like nope. I, I need to feel and see and learn concepts like through different ways other than just like looking at it on a screen and seeing what the professor is talking about. I mean, I can't do that. I don't know if you can, but I can't. I still decided and... to. Yeah, go ahead. I, I can't. Um, I, I've learned every major thing I've learned has been outside of the classroom. Um, the only reason I think I found any value in school is because I was an athlete and my honest advice to most people right now that are starting school or, you know, have a long way to go is take some time off. I mean, I, I know that's kind of a, I'm not trying to, you know, crush what you're doing, but for me personally, I wouldn't be paying for the same thing. I wouldn't be paying the same price for something completely different. It's already hard enough for men to learn in a classroom setting of 30 or more people because it's not hands-on men are more hands-on the way their brains work we're hunters we're gatherers we are you know on the job learners that's the best way like they say the best way to do business is to do business um yeah so my experience learning has never been uh conducive in a classroom setting and so if i was in school like if i was a freshman i would probably finish out this semester and I would go do something different. I'd go get a job at a business or whatever. Um, that, that's my personal opinion. Um, I think I have a, I'll probably do a, a whole podcast on college at some point, just my feelings on it. And I think sometimes it can be a sham. Uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a cultural sham. Like personally, I think there's a lot, um, but I, I do think that things would open up real quickly if people started to say, we're not paying for, uh, the same price for something completely different. I think they'd be like, whoa, there's no money. Well, we better, we better open up, you know, because the, the NCAA does have the ability to, to shake those kinds of things. It, it's just like Apple or Google or anything. Like if their stock drops, they're going to change things, you know, and the NCAA has the ability to yeah. do things like that. So, but that's my personal take on it. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. I want to ask you this. You're 19 totally. years old. 
you're a freshman at Oregon State, one of the most liberal colleges. I remember I was in Oklahoma when Trump got elected, and one of the big news stories on all news platforms was, uh, I think, 120 Oregon State students arrested for rioting, 70% didn't vote post-election. <laughs> and lo and behold, six months later, that's where I was going to school. Uh, how have you... Yeah. What, what has been your experience? How, what, how did you grow up conservative? I'm guessing probably through your church upbringing, but what, what leads a freshman in college to decide, you know what I want to do? I want to put myself out there, be, be a, a outspoken Trump supporter, create an Instagram page, which is doing quite well, I might add, um, and, uh, and just put myself out there on the line with one of the most risky decisions a, a young person can make. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that it's a, it's a really complicated thing, right? Like looking at someone that is like me and is a Trump supporter, like you said, going to a super liberal college, like where did I, I mean, so I'll start off sort of like where, where I think this comes from and where I think like my personal you know, ideology has made me as bold as I have to be able to still go here and to still do what I'm doing and not be afraid. But yeah, uh, without any further ado, um, my my parents are great. I, I absolutely love them. And they set up a few different, you know, promises that they were going to keep to each other. And one of them was that throughout their kids' lives, they will send them to religious schooling under any circumstances they had to. And that has shaped who I have become. And I, we started off, you know, my entire life, I was a Catholic and I had gone to Catholic school until seventh grade. And then, you know, we had to move, things changed you know how that goes and we had to find this alternative so we ended up moving into this neighborhood um which is you know only a few hundred feet away from me and we were like uh there's no really catholic schools around here like what are we gonna do and i believe it was through my sister's volleyball program that we heard about this school um it's this christian school where i live uh, really small around only 150 kids go and we were like oh really like what's this what's this Christian thing like we checked it out um, absolutely loved it you know um, we loved the experience I, I shouted there and I, ha I still have some great friends who have um, you know helped mentor me and they're actually at, at least a, a handful of them are going to be at my house tomorrow for the election party but yeah um i i started going there in eighth grade and as well as that one of my other friends introduced me to this church um near where i live that's also a christian church so we we did this whole basically turn in the religious sect of being you know focused and oriented on the sacraments and stuff um like this whole other idea of what it means to be, you know, uh, 
a believer in God, really, and why and how you're going to heaven. And it really did open up for me when I started going to high school. Like, church was great when I was in eighth grade. Um, I had a lot of fun with the activities and the engagement part, but it was only until around my junior year that I really started getting involved in my faith and really started to realize not just like, you know, um, that, that I'm going to church just to have a good time. Um, and that was in part due to one of my, one of my teachers that was in my junior Bible class. And he was one of the most knowledgeable teachers I have ever had. He uh, went to Dallas Seminary College and he was, he taught me everything really uh, that I needed to know about the Bible. And his class was really just breaking down the Bible uh, step by step, book by book, covenant by covenant. Obviously, we could get into depth. Like, I couldn't tell you everything about the Bible, but it really enforced in my mind the, the doctrines that I live by today and the things that reinforce me as a follower of Christ and a citizen of heaven. Um, and that sort of shaped my identity as a person. I no longer had this idea that. I had to go to confession to, you know, be loved by Jesus. I didn't have to go to communion to be loved by Jesus. I mean, salvation is a gift and it does talk about that in the Bible. You could find so many verses that talk about, you know, what Christ did for us was a, a gift and all we have to do is take it. All we have to do is receive this and believe it to be true and it's really, it taught me that it wasn't like actionary, it was reactionary. And it's about your heart. Um, and it's really just an issue of whether, you know, you internally really deep down believe this stuff or not. But anyways, that's my biblical background on how I'm like, how I'm a Christian. And that has influenced me as well, just to be bold and sort of take a different approach to learning um when it comes to you know who i'm who i'm voting for i never used to be political i never used to really care about you know like the 2016 election i was like i don't know who this trump guy is but he's on my instagram meme page a lot and he's kind of funny um but that was that was pretty much it to be honest with you like yeah until i would say this year until I would say I started watching the Democrats watched him in our government class and I was just can like you can you sorry can you repeat that like, real quick who did that I, I mean I knew who Bernie was okay yeah yeah what did the Democratic primaries in my government class and so oh, I was just kind of how did you get through people, those? like you know, I mean I don't know, man. And, and I was just like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I thought of Joe Biden. So I hadn't really seen him talk. I was like, okay, yeah, he's the vice president of, he was the vice president of the United States. Didn't know much about him. And then I saw him like speak and he was like, 
he was yelling the entire time. Like he had this totally different energy. And then I come home and I'm like, I'm like, mom, like I, we were watching the, the democratic primaries in government today. Like, who's this? Like, I mean, I know Joe Biden was the vice president, but like, he's kind of a cool guy. He's been yelling and like, he has this energy. In it. And my mom's like, dude, you do not like Joe Biden. Like what the, what the heck are you talking about? I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess I don't. Not just, not, oh, I mean, that's a joke, obviously, but like, yeah, I, I did further research into that. That was someone I didn't know. And, yeah. you know, you can easily find out what makes this guy tick. You can easily find out that he is a corrupt swamp creature that has been in government for way too long, way too long. But to, to reel it back, like that is when I kind of first started researching politics and that only started to grow as COVID hit, as the riots started. Uh, and I think that woke a lot of people up. I think, it, I mean, for me, it really did start with Ben Shapiro. I really only watched him for like his coronavirus briefings and all that like just his, his analyses on you know what was going on and then and then I started to realize like hey he's he's pretty cool um and he gives a lot of good points on Republicans like I know I used to think Trump was like this loud um guy that, that like was sort of offensive but I knew I would probably end up voting for him because I'm a Christian and a Republican and I was like maybe yeah he's not the best guy to be in office but he's who I'll vote for um later to this year but then i started to realize like trump i mean he might have a hard shell on the outside but he's a he's a businessman that's who he is he's he's a straight up you know businessman from new york that knows how to first off i mean run a country phenomenally we have the lowest unemployment rates in history the economy was booming before covid hit but you know, I think, I think a lot of people, it's sad that they don't have good memories and it's sad that their memories won't, won't go back a year ago because of how much has happened. And they won't realize that, Hey, we were actually like in a really good spot last year. Well, Luke, as far as the even, economy and unemployment and all yeah. these, yeah. Go ahead. Well, you don't even have to, sorry. You don't even have to go. There's a little bit of a delay, but you don't even have to go back a year. You can just look at what he's done yeah. through through this pandemic. He's he's funded historically black colleges through the pandemic. There's police reform going on right now that he's been a part of. He's gotten rid of the critical race theory, which is one of the most racist things. You, fortunately, you won't ever have to go through this. We had to go through this as uh, athletes, um, which tells you you're white, you're racist. And if you're white, you can't experience racism. Um, which I would like to ask them how that is in effect with me now being in Mexico, being the only white person I can see. Um, I, I don't know if they would take to that very kindly, but uh, he's gotten rid of that. He's given a hundred, his campaign has given a hundred million dollars to the Tim Tebow foundation to fight human trafficking. Uh, what else has he done just since the pandemic? Um, I mean, he shut down the greatest economy the world has ever seen to I mean, they cut the coronavirus yeah. death toll that they expected by, you know, 90%. So just crazy things. And then there was something else he, I'm trying to, I, I'm really not trying to be facetious, but there were some other things. I've mentioned them in a previous podcast, 
exactly. but that he had done just since the coronavirus. And it's just like, they're going to have a vaccine in record time, you know, just crazy things. But mm. anyway, I digress. Yeah, totally, man. And that's, you know, to sort of give you more, um, to sort of extend this timeline and to keep going here. Like, yeah, I realized that, you know, Trump was doing these things and this, this was happening, but it really, for me, when I started to get like, I don't want to, I don't want to use the term woke. I'll use the term like, I woke up and I saw, you know, the horrible stuff that was going on in this country and how these people were doing this stuff. Like I heard about this thing, uh, this video that was like, it was called the pandemic and holy crap, like this, this released on social media and it got taken down instantly. And so I was like, oh, you know, what is, what is this? And I watched it and I think like a lot of the points were so interesting. And even if you're through a lens of conspiracy theory or, you know, trying to draw like extraneous solutions from any of these or conclusions, I'm sorry, from any of these things, like it's a really interesting watch and they do make great points. But I think the I think people really need to be careful is not taking everything in like not taking everything as fact that they say and recognizing bias. Like when they make uh, videos like that, they obviously have a point why they're making it. They'll try to sway you with certain facts and, and points that are like, they're trying to reinforce them as much as they can. But yes, I, I think it truly did like show me that, wow, even with those points that I mentioned, um, you know, I put those into that walking that there's still a lot of like evidence there and factual things about how the management of coronavirus has been. How do I say this? Um, Trump Trump has definitely been doing the best that he is that he can with the information that he has been given, and yeah, it's I, I really it's do, do blame yeah. Anthony Fauci. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's hard to, it's hard when the information changes. And I think you're about to touch on this with Anthony Fauci, but we didn't even yeah. know, like, how do you not know if masks work or not? I'm sorry. Has there not been airborne viruses in the past? Like you have, like he originally said a mask isn't going to help. And then somebody came up to him and said, Anthony, that doesn't help our narrative. You got to, here's, you know, so-and-so money, or here's a gun to your head. You tell them that they need to wear masks. Okay. You we'll we'll cover you. The media will cover you. CNN uh see it in msnbc all those stations will cover you oh we got a delay here this is pissing me off i'm sorry viewers hey can you hear me at all christian yeah i can hear you man we're it's not like we're four thousand miles apart or anything right now <laughs> Can you hear me at all, Christian? Yeah. Can you hear me? Are you there? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear you. Loud okay. and clear. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Like, 
I, I think what you're talking about was spot on and I was going to get there about the whole mask thing. And, you know, a lot, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take a virologist to look at what's going on and like really think about what it is that's happening because originally, you know, my when this whole coronavirus thing started was like my dad was meeting with us and he was like okay there is going to be this virus and it's gonna we're just gonna prepare for the worst here i don't know what's gonna happen but your mother has bought us food um and essentials and all these things and it's like you're not supposed to tell anyone that we have exactly you're not supposed to tell anyone that we have any of this okay and you know it was really sad to see like oh my gosh like we're literally the only people taking this stuff seriously and then the next day everyone runs into costco grabbing the toilet paper grabbing the food we get this global shortage of supplies and ppe and you just see stuff going down from there and that that moment when that pandemic video hit I started to lie. Wow, the deaths that are happening are really not that bad in proportionate to the case rate. It's really not going up. Um, and it doesn't take, again, a scientist or a virologist to realize that this virus is not bad. I have personally had, I, okay, I will say this there is a 99.9% .9 chance that I did not have coronavirus. But I did get sick for around two weeks. I had a loss of taste. I had pink eye in both eyes. Uh, I was coughing and I had a sore throat. Does that not sound like COVID to you? Because it does to me. But anyways, yep. I haven't gotten tested, so you can't really verify that. But I've had it. And the reason I think I had it so bad is because, you know, I wasn't looking at my nutrition, like I'm eating, you know, a lot of the things that not society would tell me to eat, but that were readily available. Like, you know, I work a lot, so maybe McDonald's is right next to me and I need to go grab like a chicken sandwich real fast or, you know, like it, just poor dieting habits. And I watched this, this doctor, um, oh my gosh, he is a, he's a naturopath. Um, and I'm totally blanking on his name, but he was talking about when your sugar intake goes up and it skyrockets, your immune system is so poor and you will literally, you know, with this coronavirus, you will have the worst symptoms. What have we been seeing with people that have not been eating healthy um, and that have pre-existing medical conditions that uh, directly relate to all this stuff? We're seeing that they have the worst cases, we're seeing that they have the worst deaths. We're seeing that they are dying, not just because they're old, but because they're not getting enough vitamin D, because they're locked in the nursing homes that Kate Brown and Gavin Newsom is making them stay in. And they're not getting that sunlight or that vitamin D, as well as uh, other things like zinc and vitamin C. I mean, it's really that simple. And that's really what people have been saying you know, from the beginning, sensible virologists, but no, you have big tech censoring them, um, saying that actually real science is wrong, 
and that you should just trust, you know, your warm welcome government to hand you this needle and this mask and you'll be okay. But that's the, that's the real issue with this is it's not just, it's not just the disease, it's the fear. These people are literally scared for their lives to catch a cold. And now it's going to get worse as we near cold and flu season because these people are going to think they have COVID and they think they're going to have more, uh, an increase in COVID cases as well as death just because we have flu season and cold season, which I might add, the flu does kill a lot of people, but you know, that number is relatively parallel with what's happening with COVID right now. And we have not had to have any of these draconian measures because of that. I mean, we haven't had any of our rights taken away. No, it's because this is a disease that people want to label as unknown. They want to label it as like this new, you know, bubonic plague or black plague that's going to sweep our nation and half of the population is going to die. When really it's just, I mean, I'll say it, it's another, it's just a flu with a lot better transmissibility. It can, it can really, you know, transmit to other people. And I get that I'm not a virologist. And then if half of this stuff goes on Instagram, you know, it does have a chance of being censored. But let's use common sense here, people. Like this, you, you, that's all you really need here. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, my dad actually got it really bad and I got sick at the same time. So, but I didn't test positive. Uh, so regardless, it was probably, I probably got the flu. But that's a good point that you bring up, which is <clears throat> what, like, we're, we're not experiencing anything. The flu in 2016, I think, killed about 80,000 people, which we know that the coronavirus death toll is way higher than it, it's blown so far out of proportion. They're saying yeah. it's about 215,000. It's not 215,000, but we'll say that number. It's still, you know, but we're not even experiencing that high of a death rate in the United States you know, in uh, most, so last year in the United States had, I think about 2.8 million deaths, not including abortion. Um, that number would be about three times that, or twice that if it was including abortion. But regardless, uh, this year alone, in up until November, we've only had about 2.4 million deaths. So we're actually at a low year for death, like the death rate. Um, so we're not experiencing anything as far as death rate out of the ordinary. The number one cause of death in the United States is heart and cardiovascular disease. Um, and that kills about seven, 800,000 people a year. Why, why are we not taking a, a bigger attack on that? And, and the thing is, and I do want to give credit where credit is due. I think at the beginning of this, we all knew, we all suspected that it was bad. And, and I don't think that that is, there's any notion that we didn't think, okay, everybody could die. But now that we've had some time pass, we know if you're over 50, you have preexisting conditions, you know, you're obese, like you're at risk and you should probably stay home. But I don't have, I shouldn't have to wear a life jacket because somebody next to me can't swim. You know, my life doesn't, how selfish is it? You know, how selfish is it if I come up to you, Luke, and I say, hey, <clears throat> listen here, Luke, um, 
I get you're not at risk for something, but I am. So you need to live your life as if you're me. That's the most selfish thing I've ever heard. It's disgusting. And I get there's a, you know, a, a death rate that's in alignment, but everybody's going to die at some point. And, and you shouldn't live your life in fear. And I thought Donald Trump hit the nail on the head when he said this. He said, don't let it ruin your life. You know, we don't stop going to sporting events. We don't stop going out in public because terrorist attacks happen. We live our life, and especially as Christians. And this is where I think we've kind of missed the ball as a church and as a community is I think Christians should have been the first ones to step up and stand up and say, hey, listen, I know where I'm going. Okay. And if God's calling me to do something, I'm not going to let a government, I'm not going to let a, a regulation. Now, if somebody doesn't want me going in their business, that's their business, that's their property, then I won't. But I'm not going to live my life in fear. People are allowed to come to my house. People are allowed to come to my church. People are allowed to come to my business. And we can take proper precautions. I mean, this thing could have been done with months and months ago if we would have said, hey, these are the people that are at risk. Let's isolate them. Let's get everybody else that's not at risk exposed and get them away from them for a month. Let's just get them away from them for a month. And if you're worried, you stay in your house, you stay at your residence and you leave people alone. But don't, don't put the burden of this disease on every other human being that's not at risk. I mean, there's half the states, I think, haven't even had a death under the age of 18. There hasn't been a death under the age of 50 in God knows how long. The number has gone from 17,000 at its peak because Andrew Cuomo let all the people that he let out of uh, nursing homes back in and they killed each other. If he would have just let them stay out, they would have been probably fine from 17,000 to 1,000 last week. So we're not experiencing anything crazy. It's time to open up. It's time to move forward. And if you're at risk, if you're in fear, hey, that's your prerogative. That's your deal. Fine. But we need to get back to life. Did you see he wrote a book, by the way? Yeah. I. <laughs> On how he's learned from his coronavirus dictatorship? All he can do is learn because he did everything wrong. Yeah, he started from the bottom. He's like, hey, I, I, learned, I learned this today, uh, but we're still here. You know, we still kind of suck. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that was what, so funny. What's the title of the book? Like how I adequately handled coronavirus or something stupid? It's like, dude, you had the most deaths in any. How I didn't kill my entire state. Great job, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what, a, what a high bar we set here with it. Like, I heard somebody say, you know who Michael Knowles is? He's within the, the Daily Wire uh, family. He said, yeah. I would rather read a book by Harvey Weinstein on how to date than read that book by him. <laughs> it's just like, it's so true. Like, dude, you, I'm sorry, but, you know, I... Uh, yeah, I, I, I would, I don't want to read, I would rather read a book about, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. But it's just, it's mind boggling. I was going to say something, you, but I kind of like, I mean, that'd be like Hitler saying how I, you know, cured the free world or something like stupid. Just it's dumb. It's ridiculous. Exactly. But I mean, yeah, people and nations, they're still not learning the lessons because we see this this new second wave in Europe and what are they doing? They're locking down. It's not down. a second wave, it's a first wave. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's not the see... second wave. There's no second wave. That's what people don't understand. It's you're postponing the inevitable. The what yeah. we heard at the beginning, and I'm sorry to interrupt, uh, but what we no, heard at no, the beginning, please. what we what we heard at the beginning is we need a lockdown for 14 days. If we lock down for 14 days, we'll flatten the curve, and we won't get this many cases in a month because we can't handle them. We need to spread the case amount to six months. That's what we heard. And this is when we thought, Luke, this is when we thought 2 million people were going to die. So in March, they think 2 to 3 million people are going to die. What we need to do is we need to lock down, postpone everything, lockdown, shutdown, whatever, for two weeks. That's going to spread a six-month amount of cases or a month amount of cases into six months, and we can handle it. Now we here we are in November. And and the, the, the narrative is we flatten the curve. We're at 215,000 deaths. Like that's a tenth of what we thought we were going to see. And the narrative is we need to shut down. It's completely changed. And there's no rhyme or reason for it other than seizing political power. I don't think a lot of people, and I see it more on the left than the right, I don't think they thought at this time that, I don't think they, I think they thought it was bad, worse than it was. And then what did they do? They did exactly what Barack Obama said when he was president. Don't let a good tragedy go to waste. And they, they're seizing power right now. They might win the election because what do people want more than a handout? Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to do things that are hard. Nobody wants to earn their own keep. Everybody wants to stay in their parents' basement for the rest of their life and get that free money and you know, have their mom wipe their butt for, you know, while they play video games. Everybody wants to do that, but that's not a fruitful life. That doesn't lead to anything meaningful. Nobody that's ever lived a meaningful life has done that. They've gone out and they've said, I don't know what lies ahead. I don't know what, if there's any certainty, but they took the risk. And that's kind of what we want as human beings is people that are willing to take the risk. And right now we're not allowed to take the risk. Well, to sort of, you know, bring that back to what you're saying about what's happening in Europe, I do want to make this point loud and clear. If the United States has done such a shitty job managing coronavirus, why are we not in this quote unquote second wave right now? Why is it Europe? Why is it not us? Because, you know, Donald Trump has done everything wrong right now. And people, people in Europe are seeing that and they're fleeing and they don't want to have any part of that. I mean, I've seen pictures of the city, the city life in France, and there's literally so many people on the highways trying to get out before the lockdown start, just trying to live their lives, but they can't because the government wants to lock them down and control what they do every day. And it's, it's just awful. And we're seeing this in the United States as well. I mean, if you look at Michigan, you know, to just sort of unmask their entire plan to you, and they're going to start rolling this out everywhere. If you go to a restaurant in Michigan right now, they ask for your name and they ask for your address. Why did they do that? So they can keep a track record of where you have been and where you're going and that you've been to their restaurant. I mean, this is gonna roll out everywhere. 
if Biden is elected president, because again, to instill that fear factor, they want to make sure that, you know, you haven't seen or touched or looked at anyone with COVID before. And if you have, nope, you're, you're out. Unless you get the vaccine, of course. You know, that's the end all be all is if you get the vaccine. But, you know, that's scary that I'm seeing that these, these draconian measures in Michigan that were being like, that this stuff happen in Europe, you know, it's just deja vu and they're gonna try and make it look like, and you, you did a fantastic job of correcting me. I mean, it's not a second wave, but that's what they want you to think is that there is a second wave that's going to be going on. And like I said before that, that second wave is just the cold and flu cases coupled with coronavirus. That's all it is. Yep. Well, if they want to make an argument that it's a second wave, then you got to show me a, a, a people group that have gotten it twice. I mean, it, it's not happening. People aren't getting it twice. It hasn't happened. And hey, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong. You show me uh, some stuff. Maybe people are getting it twice. I haven't heard of this. Um, so, and I feel like the mainstream media would be perpetuating that if, if it was the case. But yeah, it, and I didn't expect to talk about coronavirus this whole time, but it, it is yeah. a it is a big topic, but it's seemingly not that big of a topic for a lot of people because a lot of if it's as important as all these politicians are saying, that should be the only talking point. We you know, if think about a year ago, if there was something that caused our country to shut if I was to tell you, hey, um, there's gonna be something within the next year that is going to cause our country to shut down, our economy to shut down, people not to be able to work. Uh, all these things to happen. You can't go to church. You can't do this, this, and this, whatever. You can't go to a movie theater. That's one of the worst things. Okay. I would say church and then movie theater. I oh, love totally. movie theater. Uh, and, you know, I'm surprised Hollywood hasn't gotten, you know, pissed off about this because they're, they have to be losing money. Right. If you, if I was to tell you that a year ago, that something like this is going to happen, you'd be like, well, shoot, that's got to be the, the biggest problem the world's ever seen. That's got to be I mean, they're, they've got to be, I mean, it would be, it would be like, imagine this, if, if so, for something to shut the world down, imagine this, imagine you, your, your child or somebody in your family gets kidnapped and the next day you're, you know, at the casino or you're on the golf course or you're, maybe I shouldn't have said golf course because now people are going to be like, oh, Trump was on the golf course. Um, but imagine something like that. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. <laughs> I shot myself in the foot there. No, no, no. But imagine something like that. Uh, Democrats. Imagine something like that happened and you're preoccupied the next day doing something else, not searching for your family member. That would be an issue, right? Like that should be the only thing you're focused on, right? So why is it, are these politicians pushing for pedophilia with the SB 145 bill in California? Why is it that they're trying to push taxes, taxing more people? Why is it that police reform is even an issue? Uh, if this is so bad, why is it that, you know, the day, uh, you know, abortion is able to be pushed after birth? I mean, why are these things issues when we've got this thing that shut the world down? Shouldn't that be the only focus in your life right now? And, and same with a parent, shouldn't your only focus be, I've got to find my kid, or I've got to find my brother or sister. So it really amazes me that we're in this state where you have on one side where you're, you're shutting everything down 
and, and nothing else can function, but you've got other things you're preoccupied with. You're pushing bills that couldn't even get through the first stage of passing a year ago. Now pedophilia is not legalized, but it's uh, normalized in California through legislation. I don't know if you've seen this SB 145 yeah. bill, but it's the absolute. Oh, I have. Yeah. Bill. Yeah. They're trying to make this, they're trying to make this into a sexual preference. You know, they're going to add it to the, the LGBTQIA LMNOPQS plus where somewhere in there, they're going to have the P for pedophilia, yep. but then, I've but been, then yeah, pedophilia been. is too offensive of a word. Pedophile is too offensive of a word and they need to make it into, you know, child lover or make up some sort of word that, you know, encompasses what they think, how they can, how they can justify an intolerable and wrong act. But please do continue. Yeah. I did want to add that. It's yeah, no, I appreciate you doing that. I've been saying that since I watched the video of uh, Pastor Greg Locke when I was a freshman in college, so when I was your age. And I've been saying the it, when I was your age, it wasn't even LGBTQ. I don't know where they're at now. They're gonna get through the alphabet, and they're gonna like have ZZ, you know, like it. Just, but I think it was LGBT when I was when I was a freshman in college. It's it's so dramatically changed, and this is this is exactly what you're seeing. And I'm glad we touched on this earlier with your faith. And people say, oh, faith and politics don't mix. Separation of church and state. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Uh, our constitution was written on Christian principles in a way that non-Christians could live in our society. That, that's exactly how it was written. I mean, that's exactly what it was written. And, if you, and I had somebody, I was driving mm -hmm. for Uber one day, and they're like, where are you getting this? We're, we're, I'm sorry, but you're mistaken. I'll show you right now where I'm getting it. Nope. But as to in reiterate God your point and trust right there, it's on the dollar bill. Or how about in the constitution where it says we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Or how about when the pledge of allegiance, when we say under God, indivisible, which the democratic party tried to go back on once they found out, Oh, our poll numbers don't look good when we take God out of the, uh, uh, the pledge of allegiance. So that's where it's from in case you're wondering, Yeah, but to like, to, to reiterate your point about the Constitution and how it says God, I mean, we're, we're seeing right now that with this whole anti-American movement, leftists don't like the Constitution, and they're going to try to blame Amy Coney Barrett, the, thank God, the new Supreme Court Justice, um, for being, you know, our, our racist, sexist, uh, woman because she is a traditionalist she is a textualist right, she is believing time. in the exact letters of what's in the constitution and that's just her job is interpreting what the founding fathers have said and so many people have tried to reiterate that she is not in there to wipe roe v wade even though they should and i've seen your abortion argument yeah. and i think I, I think it's a great video Go check it out if you haven't. But like, oh, if you want to talk, um, I've... crap, we're freezing up. One second. I'm sorry, guys.
Can you hear me? Okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah. You, I, you stopped at abortion uh, argument video, which I appreciate you watching by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I had to, I had to get some, some research into who, you know, Christian Robertson was before I, I went on the podcast and I was like, Hey, that's a great topic. But anyways, we're back. Um, my Wi-Fi is finally back on. Thank goodness. Uh, but anyways, yeah, just, just reiterate. So she's not in there to absolve, you know, Roe v. Wade. She's not in, she's a constitutionalist and she's going to look for those things, but they know that and they don't like that. So they're going to label her as trying to absolve Roe v. Wade. They're trying to bring up all these fake arguments about how, you know, she is a part of a religious cult. Like what was that in the beginning that she's a part of a religious cult? Like, are you kidding me? She's a Christian and she's a part of some sort of cult. Like, okay, cool. If we're calling, if we're calling Christians cultists now, like, uh, yeah, exactly. She's not in that, uh, at least to my knowledge. And I think if you're in that, that, that would be considered a cult, but anyways, yeah, just to just bring that up to you. Um, that's sort of why they, they are trying to get her out is because she believes in the constitution. And now, since I said like, that is a racist sexist document that it just totally you know brings up the entirety of white supremacy and it's it's just so so dumb here's the thing that people need to understand and I, i'm going to touch on a few points here is if the constitution was racist sexist bigoted all these things that they claim that it is then it would have been changed it would have been it's it, now it's had amendments put into it yes but it would have been completely changed at the Civil War. It hasn't been. It wasn't changed. It would have been changed at the Civil Rights. It would have been changed at the suffrage movement. It hasn't been changed. It's had amendments put in, but not really in relation to those, the, the uh, right to vote. I don't remember what amendment that is, but um, all, it, all those things were, were people cashing in on the promises the Constitution made. When the Constitution was written, the world wasn't perfect, and it never will be. So if we're tearing down statues because somebody was alive when racism happened or when, when slavery happened, then we're going to be tearing down statues for the rest of eternity. It's just absurd. What, what it was, the reason that we had a civil war that ended slavery, the reason we had civil rights movements was because people were able to look at our constitution and say, hey, this isn't being upheld. This isn't okay. The, the Constitution says all men were created equal, but he's in captivity to him. I don't, that's not making any sense. So we actually had within our own writing, we, in sales, we call it boxing them in. You know, it's when you, it's, it's, a, it's the concept of you've caught all their lies and they're still trying to tell you a different narrative. It's like, wait, wait, wait no, no, no. You told me back here that you, you had a lot of money, but now you're saying you don't have money. So what it does is it boxes them in. And the Constitution boxed in the slavery argument. The Constitution boxed in the women's suffrage you know, a movement. Like it boxed these things in because here we're saying our foundation of our country is built on this, but this is where we're not living it out. And so the ability for us to even have those movements is because of the way the Constitution was written. Totally. And I think to just add on to that, um, one of our 
one of the reasons that makes us difference with this biblical lens is we know what truth looks like. We know what absolute truth looks like. And that's yep. what Jesus Christ uh, brought to this earth. It is what's mm-hmm. written in the Bible. It is the fruits of the spirit. And for these people, truth is relative. Like mm-hmm. we're saying right now, gender isn't real. Race yep. isn't going to be real. You know, age isn't real. You can have sex with anyone at any different age now. Um, these things are just constructs of white supremacist, racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic humans. And we have to get, we have to strip everything. We have to strip down the system until we can get to this, this moment in history where we're all just these, these humans and we're all just coexisting and, and we're just nothing. We're nothing but everything. And where we, where we align is that we know what the truth is and we can see where truth can present itself. You know, the constitution is not absolute truth um, as in a biblical perspective, but it is trying to, like you said, it is trying to be different and it is trying to be put through a monotheistic lens of like you were talking about under God and all of these all of these instances where they were Christians and they were trying to put these beliefs in the Bible um, but they're trying to strip all of that and nothing is enough for them Th- this world is not enough for them and what we're doing is not enough are you racist? No. Well, that's not enough. You need to be anti-racist. Are you? Did you post? Blah, blah, blah. Did you post no. a black square? Exactly. Did you post a black square on your Instagram? If you didn't, you are a white supremacist, racist, sexist, Islamophobic, all of it. The ics and the isms. You are that. And if you don't have the Black Lives Doc card bio or link in your bio. Again, you're a racist because you're not virtue signaling. You're not holding the sign that says Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace for Breonna Taylor um, and all of these other people that unfortunately died. I mean, you can, you can look into these arguments and you can see, you know, even with George Floyd, don't, don't resist arrest. Just don't do it. And for these people, again, if you think that black people are only giving the talk to black people, you are wrong. I got the talk. My parents told me, obey police officers, don't resist mm-hmm. arrest, do what they say, because they are the ones with the power and the laws and the guns. And that's it. You can, you can appeal to your innocence in a court of law and it's that simple we have processes in place for you to appeal your innocence but if you're guilty you will you will receive a punishment i'm not saying that punishment is just or right but it is there and it will happen to you but like just to reel this back none of this is enough for them you know and they're getting to a point where we have to strip every single thing down no matter what it is at all costs if it's a black owned business we don't care burn it if it's you know owned by whoever we don't care burn it i mean it's got to go down 
everything in the country has to. Let's pull it down. If it's an Abraham Lincoln statue, uh, he was white, so we should burn that down too because he's white. And he, uh, if you're white, you're a white supremacist, I guess. So burn it down. There's your logic. You're inherently racist. Yeah. No, I. It's crazy because um, you know, and this all goes back, you know, what you said with truth and. And this is why I asked you about your faith earlier, because, you know, people say, oh, you shouldn't bring religion into politics. You shouldn't bring, and I was kind of touching on this, you shouldn't bring this. Politics, and this is why politics, I think, is more divisive than religion, is because religion is your personal beliefs. And religion is, you know, and yeah, obviously it manifests in how you live your life. But politics is the means by which you institute your worldview into policy. So personally, as a Christian, abortion is evil. Anything after conception is life. And ending that is murder. That's, I, I believe that because I have a foundational viewpoint of how the world works, how, where God says life starts. And when God says life starts, then that means it has value. And so I equate what the Constitution says, you know, we're all created equal and we, we all have value, I, I attribute that to the point of conception where the Bible says it starts. So I have a fixed point of morality that I bring my worldview into my political spectrum. And so when people say that, oh, moral issues aren't uh, political issues or politics doesn't deal with moral issues, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What is murder? What is theft? What is, what is rape, abuse, all these things? Those are all moral issues that politics has a stake in. So that's the difference is we all bring our worldview into politics. The only difference is when you have a fixed point of morality, you don't see LGBT become, you know, the entire alphabet. You, you see where God says something starts and that's it. That's the wall. That's the line. That's where it is. And so everybody brings their religion into their politics. Amy Coney Barrett is no different you and I are no different. Um, somebody on the left is no different. It's just we serve, and, and I'm not saying anybody on the left is not a Christian. I'm just saying generally the liberal belief system comes with the caveat that you don't believe in a higher power. It comes from the generally, self. It comes from the self. Yeah. Well, the self and the state. And, and the thing is, if, if you don't have a God that supersedes the state, then the state or culture becomes your religion and your point of morality. And that's why you're seeing the shift is because wherever culture goes, that's where you're going to go. I've seen people throughout this pandemic that were on one point and now they believe something completely different because they don't have a fixed point of morality that they brought with them into this life. They've taken their worldview from culture or the state or their favorite politician and, or what their friend says and not from the word of God. And that's why we're starting to see some serious craziness. And, and I think you're seeing it on the left because they're changing and the right is getting fed up with it. And people are just speaking out and they're like, you know what, we're done. I'm not going to continue to let my rights be taken away. I'm not going to continue to watch the line for where we're allowed to kill people get pushed further and further to my age. You know, I'm not going to continue to do this. And so I think that's where you're seeing, you know, the division. And I think Donald Trump didn't come and divide the country. I think he came and exposed the division already there. Totally.
And let me just sort of hark back to some of your points. Um, this one is for any of you out there that have purchased or have been given a love is love, a Black Lives Matter, science is real, water is human rights sign. Which, uh, before we even get to that, by the way, did you know, Christian, that if you have one of those signs, there's a minimum order on the website for $100. You have to buy 10 of them or 20 of them to even get the signs. That It is a minimum order of $100 in order for me to get these signs because they want you, first of all, they want to make money off of you because you're stupid. Second, well, that's off, capitalism. That's capitalism. But now but, uh, uh, let's absolve capitalism because they're making money off of you being stupid. Well, anyways, um, second off, they're doing it so that you can give it to your friend like it's a cool trading card and that your virtue signaling so that they can burn it down. But anyways, let's talk about the part where we're believing in something right now, folks. We're believing that science is real. If science is your religion, why don't you pick up a goddamn science textbook and actually read it for once in your life? Why don't you read where conception starts? Why don't you read how any of you know, life's processes happen? But you don't. Because Christians read their Bibles, but people who believe in science as if it is a choice to believe in the things that are happening around you, why don't you pick up a science textbook for once, people? But anyways, you yeah. don't. I mean, if, you're, if your main point is that you believe in a worldly, you know, fact-based, like this is, this is matter and this is made out of metal. If you're like, oh, wow, that's really good. Like, that's so sciencey, and that's your religion. Wow. And if you choose to believe that in your higher power, okay. So you, you well, really don't know what you're talking about here. Yeah. Well, do this for me. If, if that's what you want to do, find a science book from 10 years ago that would match one today. I mean, you can't. Science doesn't, can't. like, it, it doesn't hold up. I, last time I checked, the Bible hasn't changed. And we have evidence of that because we found the Dead Sea Scrolls that are 1,800 <laughs> years old. And the Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls that we, or the, the Bible we have today and the Dead Sea Scrolls are the same book. But you can't find a science textbook that agrees with a science textbook from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, they thought Aristotle was crazy because he thought the world was round. I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling. Science is ever changing. Science is the constant observation of how the world works. It's not the mechanism behind why the world works. It's exactly. not the, the uncaused first cause. It's, it's not, you know, the gospel. It's a, I think, Personally, uh, I think science is God's language. And I think if we were to understand science fully, we would start to see the matrix of how he put things together, but we don't, and we never will. And so all it is, is the observation of how the world works. And we're continuing to learn things. I mean, we don't know, we don't know anything about outer space. We don't know anything about 95% of the ocean, but somehow we're supposed to use those tools to determine how our life should be ruled and how we should live. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. There's no moral arguments in science. All science does is corroborate what the Bible says about morality. All science does is, I mean, anytime the Bible has been unchanging, the arguments of the Bible have been unchanging. You ask 10 pro-lifers that are Christians where life starts, they'll all tell you conception. You ask 10 people that are pro-choice where life starts, you'll get 20 different answers. They, you know, it just doesn't even make sense. And, but consistent science 
corroborates with what the Bible says about these issues. I mean, all Actually, science like, has ever done. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sorry I cut you off there, but just You're another another point in like what my what my Bible class has done to me. So let me start off by saying this. If you're atheist right now um, and you're listening to this, you're probably going to first off deny and second off, like we're gonna go through all the steps of denial here, folks. Yeah. If you're if you're oh, I want to say something before you the, say yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, go, go, go. before you say anything, I just want to say like we're coming at it from a harsh perspective. Like it does sound a little mean and yeah and, uh, hurtful but i want i've literally been on the phone with women that have been crying from having an abortion i i've been in these conversations i've i've spoken to people that have been victims of rape i've spoken to a lot of people that have done some horrible things i'm one of those people and so i don't want to pass any judgment on people but as a christian and as a person that has been called you know and i make mistakes i'm not saying i don't I love these people. I care for these people. I invite these people to have conversations with me. I had a girl the other day, so you know, one of my last podcasts with my friend Mish, she came and commented that, you know, I was completely wrong. And I said, well, you can give me an example and, and you know how to get a hold of me. You're more than welcome to call me. Like I always invite people to have the conversation because I care about people. You know, my, the most important thing you can invest in is relationships. So yes, we are coming at these issues hard and we're coming at the mindset and maybe it gets, you know, tied into the ideology that people have and people in general, but I want people to know that they are loved, they're cared for, that they have a seat at my table. Uh, and more importantly, they have a seat at God's table. And so that is not to pass any judgment on people, but if you want things to change, you got to call them what they are. And if it's evil, you got to call it evil. So I want, before we continue to go down this path of calling out evil, I want to tell people that they're loved, they're cared for. And, um, this isn't, you know, us trying to condemn them. This is us trying to change the cultural narrative. Absolutely. I, you know, I should have prefaced with that because a lot of what we're saying is this is a Christian on Christian right now. And we're coming at this head on and yeah, we are not afraid and we are very, sure. you know, sound or sound in our beliefs. And we know what we know only because we have God's written truth. And so, yes, this will come off as hard and really eye-opening for a lot of people. And a lot of people might just shut off because they see these things and they see that, you know, they're being called out or, and that's the last thing I want to do is make someone feel shameful for what they have done in their lives. Like that is not what Christianity is about. That is not what Catholicism is about. Let me state this loud and clear. Christianity and Catholicism and that and believing in God is not about what you've done at all. And we're not trying to condemn people. We're not trying to point the finger and say, you're the sinner. Jesus did not do that. He was the one who dined with sinners and saints. He was the one that had these people over and healed. That's what the Pharisees didn't do. They didn't touch the people with, without sin because they thought they were impure and that they would, that they would get, a, I don't know, a disease from them. But no, Jesus knew that he knew his purpose and he knew the people that he needed to save. And he is actively trying to do that in your life right now. He's trying to fight for you. And like I said, it is about the heart. It is about what you are doing. And if you can just say yes to him and to what amazing things he's going to do in your life. But 
Absolutely. I'm glad we covered that. Um, but like I was saying, um, the, there are too many prophecies in the Bible. There are, I believe, over 80 prophecies in the Bible that have been proclaimed. They all were true throughout history. Historians have been puzzled. Why, how, why and how did these things become true? You might be asking yourself, give me an example. What's the number one thing we can look to that has been a prophecy throughout the Bible? Jesus, the birth of Jesus Christ was the biggest prediction in the Bible. It's spoken about in Genesis. The seed promise, the seed of the woman will crush your head and he will, bru and will bruise your heel. Like it is literally talking about the rise of Jesus Christ and that he will one day fight Satan and he will crush Satan's head, but it will bruise his heel. Talking about what Jesus had to do on the cross. There's so many other instances, the lineages, the genealogies, all of these accurate representations pinpointing down to the date and the hour of where Jesus Christ was and was born. And it yeah. was no well, and you look at, wonder that, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, like, you look at, like, even, like, Isaiah 51, where it's talking about his clothes will be torn and spread. You know, this is hundreds of years before Jesus is even born. And it's talking about the very detail of his clothes being, being dispersed amongst people. And then we see it corroborated in the New Testament. And for somebody to say, I get into apologetics uh, pretty big, but for somebody to say, oh, well, they knew that and they would have. It's four different people saying this that weren't Bible scholars before. Yeah, they were Jewish, but they weren't like super intelligent people. They're saying it from different parts of the world, and they're all saying the same story that corroborates just like a crime scene that actually happened, you know, because it's not 100% the same story. It's four different perspectives of a story, and, and they're, they're describing these things. And then it talks about his side being pierced and, and all this stuff. And that's just one prophecy that came true. So go, sorry, go ahead, and that, that he'd be put in the tomb of a rich man. Yeah. Like it's just, it, the historical Jesus and the biblical Jesus, and you can look into this, people have done it and it, it hasn't worked to disprove the, the gospel. It's only proven. And I mean, you look at like a guy like Lee Strobel who tried to disprove the gospel with the case for Christ and was only more convinced. And, and it, was, it was things like this where the prophecies, the historical Jesus, match. So if you take the Bible out of the picture, you go, okay, here's the Bible. Uh, we're not going to use this to show who Jesus is. You get the same person. Absolutely. And it's been proven over and over and over again, that what has been said in the Bible from so many different people from so many different places, they all can corroborate to have the same exact story. It's different, you know, to, to illustrate it. It's like different colors of fabric being weaved together to create this object that what is the Bible? And they wouldn't have any of this knowledge if it weren't for God and weren't for who he was. But these people, they can't understand. And they, I think the, the issue is that they cannot comprehend what this is like this is way out of their realm of comprehension and they get scared by I, and this is just me honestly making assumptions i personally don't know where people are at right now just to preface but i think they're scared and they're 
they're baffled by this and they can't comprehend it. And they're focused in the world right now. They, they care about what I can comprehend and what I can learn. And this is just too much. I have to trust this person that I can't see, hear, touch, feel, taste, smell. Like that is such a big ask for people that are living in a worldly society and that for them to, to access this interdimensional, omnipresent, omnipotent, um, omnipotent, sorry, not omnipotent, I get that wrong all the time. Um, and this person that can leave through time, how, like they can't, they can't trust that and they can't yeah. know it to be true. And that's the bet that they have to make. That's the bet that I've made. That's the bet that you have made. And that's the bet that the, the most popular religion in the entirety of the world has made is that they are believing in this one entity. Yeah, and, and this is what I think, and I was going to bring this up in an earlier podcast, but I decided to bring it up now. But um, you see a lot of people, they get upset, and they get raged, and, they, and, and it happens on both sides, but it's a little different. It's a little bit more prevalent on the side without faith, uh, and with people without faith. Um, personally, as an Uber driver, I've, I've had people, the second you say Jesus, start flipping out on me. I had a guy one time, this is actually a crazy story. Um, but he, uh, I said something, it started with a Trump conversation and then he went into my faith and started saying that I was an effing idiot and cussing me out for 20 minutes, Luke, 20 minutes. This guy, I let him stay in my car. I'm driving him home and he's cussing me out and no fear. I was completely calm. I've never had anybody be this aggressive with me in my entire life. And he's cussing me out saying, if you believe this, you're an effing idiot yelling, screaming at the top of his lungs, his friends over on the other side, like what is going on? And, um, and this guy, like I, I start, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well versed, uh, you know, first Peter three fifteen tells you to always have, uh, a reason or a defense to why you believe for the hope that you have. Um, and so I normally do. Uh, and so I'm kind of getting in the apologetics, like, well, you know, science doesn't really disprove the Bible. Like actually they match together. Like the more you get into science, the more like closer you get to seeing and you know, all this stuff. And it's not doing anything. He's still yelling at me. And then I, I start talking about Jesus and I start attributing the acts of resurrection and faith, bro, zero to a hundred. Then Jesus all the way down. The guy apologized, got in the front seat of my car. This was a guy that five minutes ago was saying, I would never let anybody pray for me. This is disgusting. All this, this, and this to please pray for me. So I prayed for the guy. He's sitting in the front seat of my car. So this guy's yelling at me more aggressive than anybody has ever been around with me. And, and he starts calming down the second I said Jesus and started attributing, you know, the acts with the person. And I have my own opinions as to what I think was happening. I think there was a little bit of drug use possibly, but I think it was more of a spiritual component. Uh, and we see time and time again in the Bible when, when the name of Jesus or when Jesus comes on the scene, you know, we see demons flee, you know, like there's nothing they can do. We see it when he gets on shore and the legion comes up and it's like, please like, don't destroy us or whatever, put us in the pigs. And so, and, and he gives us that same power. So I think that's what happened there. And that's the only thing I can, that's the only way I can explain it is because this guy was so vile and so evil towards me. And then at the end of it, 
there was a there was a definitive shift in who he was. And I think this is what happens is it says in Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now you think of that, that's an uncomfortable feeling. That's an uncomfortable process of hearing the word of God and having it penetrate your soul. And I think a big reason that conversation isn't happening, I think a big reason that people are yelling and shouting. I got a buddy I just got off the phone with earlier before we did this podcast. He used to say, I'm louder, I'm right. So he would yell over people and be like, I'm louder, I'm right. And it's the same concept of trying to shut down the opposition. And I do think it is a spiritual component that the enemy has perpetuated to get Christians and to get the word of God to be silenced. Uh, Because I've seen in my own life when the word of God is spoken, People either have to flee or they have to accept it. They can't, they can't stay in the same position. And, um, and I think it's the same thing, you know, with, with what we're seeing in culture is people are trying to burn Bibles, shut down the church. They're not trying to, they're, they're avoiding conversation. They're, they're running uh, because there is a spiritual component telling them, do not engage, like do not engage in conversation, do whatever you can kill them. Uh, you know, shut them down. We're seeing, you know, people being beheaded overseas. Um, Don't engage in conversation because that's the last thing that an enemy wants. And that's the first thing we should be trying to do. Yeah. That was a long tangent. That was, I I mean, that was amazing. But I, first off, I just want to give you props for for having a verse ready. That was great. Second off, yeah, so one of the main principles that, again, my Bible teacher taught me was this. The natural human reaction to the Bible, to religion, and to God is to suppress it, is to suppress the truth. When you are given the truth, the natural human condition is to suppress that. I know every single Christian has done that before they were saved. They suppressed it. They ignored it. They denied it, whatever it may have been, not only because of them, but there are spiritual forces at play telling them to do that. And we're seeing that, like you said, with the churches shutting down, with the Bibles being burned and all of that, there are spiritual forces at play and the natural human inclination is to suppress that and to have nobody talk about it so that your your friends, your coworkers, your peers, they can't hear this good news and be saved as well. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a society where we're shutting down. We're not talking about race. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about any of these things that, you know, that, that should be talked about. Uh, and it's kind of sad. just that that right there is confirmation for me that that there are spiritual forces at play because that guy if you had been talking about something else like he would not have gotten that livid at you like there was a reason we were in the car for 10 minutes before he did there was a reason that what you said made him light up and that was because it was the truth and it was a spiritual force that, you know, like we've been talking about, the most powerful entity that we could comprehend. 
And for him, that was too much. That was too much for these people. And they can't do it and they snap. But it's only when you snap and you realize that all of this is just Christ's love for you that you just, I mean, I remember times in my life where I have broken down because I know that I have been in God's presence. And it is life-changing. You feel that, and not everyone's going to have this. And and that is, you know, another reason that they'll try to say religion is disproven is because, you know, you, you have, you can't feel him, but, you know, I felt the presence of God and it made me melt. That's the best way I could describe it. It makes you look at yourself and realize that there is nothing on this earth that I could do to receive a an eternal life it is only a gift and that's the same for for i just want to say this for people that are either new christians or they have been saved or they're looking to that here's another amazing reality is that you cannot do anything to lose your salvation if you have a gift you cannot take it back you can only accept the gift there there are no seats you know when we're dealing with this type of thing and god the owner the owner yeah the owner's not going to take the gift back you you can decide whether you want to receive it or not you know i've got family members that you give them a gift and the next thing they the next morning they're you know at another store returning it it's just like what the heck well you're a terrible human being uh mom oh i do that all i i mean this my birthday i got clothes the wrong size and i had to i had to return everything i felt so well, that's, bad that's different, Look, yeah, that's know, different than, me, than me going to the store to a lululemon or whatever picking out something nice for my mom handing it to her on christmas morning <laughs> and then december 26 comes around and she's got it something else in a different color and the item i gave her is non-existent i'm like well, where is that oh i took it back that's that's evil at its core luke Okay, that is the worst sin that we can talk about. Okay, that is, that is terrible, and and I denounce it. And this Christmas, mom, you will not do that because I will not give you a receipt, and I will rip the tags off anything I give you. Okay, I just, mom, if you're listening, I want you to see, I want you to know that. Okay, because that is despicable activity that will not. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thanks for the 500 bucks that you sent me on my uh, phone today, by the way, mom. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. Terrible behavior. Terrible behavior. So, well, shoot, man. What are, uh, what are your predictions for the election tomorrow? Uh, plain and simple. We're going to see Trump win. Uh, then what happens is everything about Trump gets censored off of social media, including number one, Facebook, because Mark Zuckerberg has said himself, is there is any controversy about who wins, we are taking that information off of our site. So we're going to have Trump win. I know that for a fact. It'll come out in whatever way it will. Um, And then we're going to have these people censoring it. And for democratic states, 
we're probably going to get shut down again because of riots and maybe spikes in COVID happen. I don't know. They're going to find some dumb excuse to shut us down. Then that happens. Trump gets reelected and inaugurated. Um, and then everything goes back to normal. There is, that's all we want is normalcy is to go back to our freaking lives before this man. And we don't want riots or, uh, a virus that we shouldn't be worrying about as much right now as we are. And just, just go back to our lives, plain and simple. But if Biden wins, we don't get any of that. We get more lockdowns, we get more riots, we get more revolutions, because all Joe Biden is is an echo chamber for not only the Democratic Party, but for the mob. He has been doing it his entire life. Do you want to know his stance on arresting Black people? Uh, He's told you back in the 80s what he thinks of certain crime bills. Do you want to know how he cracked down on drugs and then all of a sudden in the Obama years. Oh yeah, legalize marijuana. He blows with the wind and he is an echo chamber for the mob. And that's what we see right now. He's embracing everything that he said he wouldn't. Um, but yeah, that's what's gonna happen. The mob will become the president through Joe Biden. Maybe he dies or something, I don't know. Maybe they fake his death and we have an even worse person named Kamala Harris that is a crazy, crazy cool. socialist, even worse than Bernie in office. Um, But anyways, I think that would be the death of America. But I think also um, riots will happen if Trump wins. That is no question of mine. But hopefully he sees his power in the Insurrection Act and he can um, do that. I don't think it's been the right time yet. I think he has been very good at not pulling the trigger because it's taken a while for people to see, oh, my Democrat governor sucks because they're not doing anything. They're hiding. And when they come to, you know, Ted Wheeler's uh, apartment, he's gonna, he's gonna move out and he's gonna not, you know, like that. So it's, it's sort of just been a mirror. But yes, I do think, you know, Trump will win, things will get censored, it'll get rough for a little while. Then we can live our lives. The suffering is almost over. What about you? Yeah, I think I think I think we see a Trump victory. I really do. Um, I I don't trust the media at all. I don't trust the polls after last you know election. They said that Hillary is going to win by a landslide. That was all you heard. Uh, it's a deterring factor. Now they're saying Biden's going to win by a landslide. Uh, I mean, you're seeing Texas as a swing state. I'm sorry, but most of the people leaving California are probably conservatives that are sick of it. Uh, Texas is never going to be a swing state. They're saying Florida is a swing state. I. I don't see that. Um, honestly, I see some states that are traditionally liberal voting for Trump uh, because of the strict regulations they put on them. It, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me that much if a state like Oregon voted for, for Trump. Um, I've seen more turnout from some of his stuff and I've uh, just talking to people within Portland and within the area. Uh, Portland is the most liberal place on the earth and there's a lot of conservatives there that are gonna go out and vote. Um, that can do it from the comfort of their own homes now. Um, So I think you do see a Trump victory. But regardless of who wins, regardless of what we see, I know one thing for sure. If Biden wins, you're not going to see any riots. You're not going to see burning down of buildings. What you're going to see is people that can go to work 
go to work the next day, which they'll probably be restricted and have to pay taxes on uh, more taxes without being able to work, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but you're going to see people go to work. You're going to see people um, continue their lives and you're going to see the powers continue to play out. Um, I don't think it's fair to say that Biden won't do anything as a president. I personally think Biden would do more as a president than anybody else. He would do it in a negative way. I think he will do whatever he can to shut the country down, to amend everything about the Constitution. I think they're going to try to pack the court um, to try to get every single Supreme Court case on their side. Um, uh, I think he would do more. I think he would, um, th there would be more people uh, released from prison, uh, more rapists, more murderers released from prison, more racism in our country, um, more institutions that promote evil ideologies like the ones we spoke about, critical race theory, where black people tell white people that they're racist because they're white. Uh, Not even just black people with white people, white people with white people telling white people they're racist. Exactly. Um, and what needs to end more attacking the outcome instead of the source. What I mean by that is we talked about this, we touched on it and I never brought it up, but why don't we attack the, the cause? Why don't we attack the fact that people are committing crime? That's why they're getting, you know, police knocking on their doors and getting shot. If you're not committing crime, the likelihood of you getting in trouble with the police or hurt or killed by the police goes down it has to be 99.99%. I don't know what the actual statistics are, but it's, you know, everybody you've seen that's been, you know, in these positions has been committing crime. And I actually had a podcast where somebody, where my friend Mish talked about that. Um, so we need to stop doing that. We need to attack the crime culture as opposed to police brutality and white supremacy. We need to call things for what they are. So when somebody tells a white person that they're racist by virtue of being white, that's racism. And that needs to end. Um, I've been in locker rooms where that was what was trying to be pushed on me. I was like, no, that's not, that's not okay. Um, it's not the truth. And so we need to speak out against any of that, treating everybody equally. Uh, and we need to stop that at a source. We need to stop killing babies at their most innocent stage because what that does is it continues to push the line for how we value people uh eventually murder is going to be there's it, it's just going to be you know I, I could shoot you for any reason because you inconvenience my life if you disagree with me that's what they're going to do you can see it um you know we're already right now we're censoring people and shutting people down that disagree with us pretty soon we'll be killing them because we're we're slowly devaluing life and so anybody that disagrees with you will be able to be killed in the street. And we're already seeing that. There was a Trump supporter in Portland that was shot and killed uh, for being a Trump supporter. Nobody cares. Um, so it's slowly happening. So we need to stop that at its source. And uh, again, with the coronavirus, uh, obviously you can't do much about your old age, but, uh, but the things you can't control, like the obesity, your diet, things like that, we need to stop those things too. And so we need to get a culture that's not looking towards the, um, the end effect, but the source of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And for a lot of people, I think that this whole, I, I, I wanna say this, I, I, I wanted to say this beforehand, 
just because I had it happen today and I thought it was like a really good uh, point in the whole like well hurry up thing. I gotta pee so yeah okay so if you think that killing and uh, okay let's just say we'll, we'll play this one situation out where the black guy had the knife and the cop shot him okay so obviously people on the left don't think that's okay and they think that innocent black lives you know when cops innocent black lives are lost by cops they think that is the worst you don't think the cop has the choice there right i mean the cop has no choice in what he's doing why don't you say that for abortion the baby is innocent why is it why is it a choice for a mother to kill her child but why is it an absolute not choice for a guy running at a cop with a knife for him not to kill him yeah like where's the logic in that but like we said there there is no logic in that in in their in their thinking yeah. but yeah that's all i have to say one question i one question I want to ask too is if if a lockdown is going to work, why won't a wall work? Yeah. <laughs> now that's a whole other topic, and uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, we'll 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 get into that at some point. Well, Luke, I'm glad you came on, man. Um, I think we hit on a lot of good points. We went for almost two hours. Um, dude, I I appreciate you, man. Uh, when I get my studio in Portland, we'll get you up in person. I don't know if you're a martial arts guy, but we'll get you a jujitsu class or something in. Hey, yeah, I'm actually a black belt in Taekwondo, uh, but I would love to do. I would love to try some jujitsu, actually, for sure. Cool. You, you got the black rifle coffee shirt on, so you can't be a wuss with that. Yep, that's for sure. Luke Eiley, man, it was good talking to you, brother. Let's uh, let's do it again. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, buddy. See ya. God bless. See ya. God bless.